pray together. Lord, you're great. You're a great and mighty God. You're holy. You're worthy of our worship. Oh, Lord, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is for us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That you and your grace and mercy reach down to us, not only in love, but to draw us to yourself and allow us to have a part in your forever kingdom. What a privilege. What a privilege. So we stand in awe of you. We give all of our worship to you today. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. You have a Bible with you today. I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As many other passages in the Bible, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I catch myself saying that a lot of times. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Oh, well, that one is too. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll be beginning with verse 17. Uh, big shout out to the Mexico team. Yay. Jason, how do you get all those people to show up? That was great. Awesome. He said he's buying all of your lunch today afterwards, so maybe that's it. <laughs> I'm teasing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Man, this is good. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, God's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides now and forever. May he bless the reading of it today. We're going to come back to that text a little later in my message. Um, I was thinking today about uh, the, what the song we just sang, sang you know, uh, it, it's the breath in our lungs. Um, and I was just thinking that, you know, our, our goal in this life is that our walk with Christ, our being conformed to the image of Christ, being transformed by Him, would become so real and natural that it's just like breathing. It's breathing. It's not, a, it's not something fake or artificial or something we wear on Sundays to church or whatever, but it is our... It is our day in and day out, 24-7 life. That's what God wants for us. I, I want to share a little drawing with you that has helped me uh, in, in, in kind of how I see life. It was shared with, me, shared with me probably five years ago. A lot of times we're in the moment. If you see in the middle there it says present. We're in the present. And... I think this is kind of true all the time. There are forces at work in our lives that if we give in to them, they will pull us back into a negative, old normal, unhealthy place. 
And there are also forces that pull you forward to that positive new normal, that preferable future. And so I think it's healthy for us to think through what are activities, what are thoughts, what are things that grab us, that, that pull us back into that place of, of maybe fear or sadness or discontentedness, okay? And then also identifying what are activities and thoughts that pull us forward, that move us in that healthy direction where we want to go. One way, is, one way to think about it is um, that new normal, that preferable future I'm talking about, is to think about what if you imagine you could wake up tomorrow and your life was what you'd always thought it could be. Imagine that. What, what, would, what would that be like? What would, what, you know, and, and this is healthy. These are some healthy exercises that I've, I've spent some time thinking about it. So I'm, 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 cheat, I'm cheated a little bit. I've been working on this ahead. I knew what I was going to talk about today, and you didn't. Isn't that funny? It kind of works like that every week. But anyway, I, you know, I've thought about that. And I think for me, you know, that new normal, the place I want to live, is that place where I feel like I'm flourishing with God. And I'll tell you for what it is for me. It's a place of hope. It's a, a place of peace. It, it's a place of optimism. It's a place where I feel like uh, my life and my task have meaning, and I'm able to do that at a pace that is not devouring me, okay? Kind of a sustainable pace. It's a place where I can forgive other people, and other people can forgive me, and I can forgive myself. Um, it's a place where I have time for all the meaningful relationships in my life, beginning with God. That's what it is for me. When, when my soul is singing, when I am flourishing, and I'd like to tell you I live there every moment of every day, but it, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? it it's, we're, we're always moving. Things are always changing. But, but that's the goal. But, those were, but it got me thinking about this, and as I was thinking about the six disciplines, I believe, if we could put that first drawing back up, I, that forces that pull you forward, I think the six disciplines that we're talking about, we talked about last week and this week, I think they are forces that help us posture ourselves so that we can be moving in that positive up into the right direction. So they're on your bookmarker, it looks like this, uh, and it's in your bulletin. That's yours to take, take that home with you, use it as a bookmarker, take a magnet, put it on the refrigerator, use, put it wherever you'll see it or whatever to help keep this before you. Okay, enough setup. Let me give you a little review. Some of you missed last week. I talked about worship a lot. Worship is a word that goes back to Shakespeare's time, and it really comes from worth-ship. In other words, something that has worth or value. What has weight? What has gravitas in our lives? What is it that, you know, it's really important? Really important. What do we give worth to? And I talked about our three disciplines to help focus us, and I'm just going to briefly review those. The first was community worship, what you're doing right now, way to go. You're practicing the discipline of being here for a community corporate worship. 
Uh, our proof text for that is from Hebrews, and it looks like this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice that the, one of the reasons, and I talked a little bit about this, one of the reasons we get together is we spur one another on. There's something about this corporate energy of the body of Christ being together, singing together, praying together, seeing each other, talking with each other. There's something that encourages us on in our walk with Christ. We come to church because you hear about things that you didn't think about. Not because I'm smarter than you, but I'm different than you. Okay? If I got with you and you shared your life, you would talk to me about things that I hadn't thought about. We get to fill in some of the blind spots. We're just better together. We're just better together, I think, is is, is the point. And we minister to other people. And there's an encouragement that we get from being together. The second leg of the stool was our daily personal worship which I think is as an event that should cascade into a process. In other words, you spend time with God, that 15 minutes, that 30 minutes, and that is not the end goal that I spent 15 minutes with God, but that it overflows, it cascades into the rest of my life. And it becomes that every breath I breathe is in a relationship with God, being led by God and being prompted by God. And then whatever we do, our ordinary task of life, whether we're, we're teaching or nursing or, or repairing cars, whatever it is we do, that Christ is in the center of all that. That's the overflow of that. But we need that personal time. We need that focused time. And I, I don't know if I hit this hard enough, but I think it really needs to be, there needs to be silence because we have so little silence in our lives. There's so much noise in our lives. We need silence and we need solitude. And I think there's something about, and there's something about when we have silence and solitude with God that he can get down inside of us and he can dig out some things that he can't get to when there's other people around and when there's noise around. As, I, as I've said before, I love what Henry Nouwen says about this, this kind of solitude. He says, I have to get still and quiet so that the, bana- so that the bananas, so that the monkeys quit running up and down the banana tree. Because that's what life is. It's, it's, a, it's a whirlwind. It's, it's monkeys running up and down the banana tree all the time. And, and our lives are like that. Silence and solitude is important. You know, I, I think of it like, you know, you know, have you ever noticed sometime when you buy gas, you, you, you're killing time and you look at the gas pump, you ever, have you ever seen they, they have a little sticker on there from the Department of Weights or something for Kansas? And they'll have on there that this this uh, this this pump was was calibrated on you know November thirteenth, nineteen two thousand and sixteen or nineteen ninety eight or whatever it was. Sometime that was recalibrated so that so that when your pump have you ever thought about this? What if they cheated you by one ounce out of every gallon of gas they pump for you? Ever thought about that? I know you didn't think about that. But anyway, but somebody did, and they thought, we don't want them cheating you. We want a gallon to be a gallon. We want to check the metering device in this so it's calibrated. So when it says you're, they're pumping you a gallon, they're really pumping you a gallon, which, by the way, is different when it's really cold or when it's really hot. But that's another issue. But, but basically, they're pumping you a gallon of gasoline 
for uh, charging you for a gallon of gasoline. And you know what? My time with God in the morning and your time with God in the morning is where we kind of get recalibrated. We kind of like get recalibrated of what's real and what's not. Because hear me, you're like me. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of false narratives that are bombarding us all day long from other people, from television, from music, from ideas, from the newspaper, from whatever media you get is bringing all kinds of, there's all kinds of ideas out there. Or we might say that, alternate realities. Like they're talking about alternate facts. And I'm like, alternate facts. But anyway, alternate realities. And for us to be centered and have reality, I think we need to spend God because time with God. Because God and His Word are the ultimate realities. I mean, they really are. They're the only, if you want to talk about different kinds of reality, they're the only reality that really matters. And we need to recalibrate ourselves. And then the third thing, this is still review, I'm sorry, a small group. You need to be in a small group with other people. Um, you can't get to know very many people in what we're doing right now. Your personal worship can become very self-absorbed and narrow. So we need to be in a small group with, so we interact with other people in relationships because, again, we help each other. We, we, we find a place where we can love other people and other people can love us. They can share our burdens. We can learn and grow together. So that's important, too. So, there you go. Last, last week's review. I, I want to talk about the last three um, today. And, and these last three habits are, are, are outward-focused. And I think they kind of answer the question that Rick Warren answered, asked in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He asked the question, he says, what's going to be the contribution of your life? What will be the contribution of your life? We are all called to give, I think. If we're children of God, then we're called to contribute. I mean, track with me on that. If God is a giver and we're going to be conformed to the image of God, then, it w then we should be like him. And part of his nature is for him to give. And part of our nature should be to give. As we become more and more like God, we become more and more outward focused, and I think we give more. We become more and more unselfish. Um, uh, the more our hearts align with him, the more we want to contribute. I, I just believe that, that that has to happen. I think that's going to always happen. So, I want to talk today about three ways that we contribute, and they're on, on your little bookmarker, uh, by giving money to his causes, by giving our service to Him and our witness for God. So I want to talk about these. First, I want to talk about giving financially to God's kingdom work. You know, there's always, you know, if you, you love it when the pastor talks about money and giving. And you want to say, what's the big deal about giving? And does the church just want your money? Or, and are, are religions just businesses that are trying to make a buck? Well, what do we hear from the Bible? What does the Bible say about this? Well, given the number of times that it's mentioned in the Bible, it seems to me that it's an important expression of our faith for us to give. It is an important expression to God of our faith to give. A second reason I'd say is for some of you, your spiritual gift is giving. Just like some people have the gift of teaching, some people have the gift of evangelism, some have the 
gift of encouraging. I think all of us ought to be encouraging and showing mercy, and all of us ought to be giving. But some of you, it is your gift uh, to give. And so uh, sometimes people compare that and say, oh, I just write checks. And I'm like, well, if that's your gift that God has given you to make money and to give money, then use that gift for God. But I think the main reason that the Bible seems to make a big deal about giving is that money is such a rival for our allegiance. Money is such a rival for our heart. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I, I could try to soften that for you, but I really can't. It's pretty straightforward. In Mark 4, Jesus told the parable of the, of the sower and the soils. Do you remember that story where a sower went out and, and he sowed soil and some were on the pathway and the birds came and ate it and some were on shallow soil and they sprang up and didn't do much. Some were on the, the thorny soil and then the fourth was good soil and it came up and it bore a lot of fruit and it was really good. And we all want to be really good soil. Let's focus for a minute on soil number three, which is the thorny soil. It says this in Mark 4, 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. Now, I want to tell you, that verse, that verse will preach. I could camp out on this for the rest of the day. I'm just telling you. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. You see, that is one, that's, one, that's why we need a quiet time with God. Because that's one of those other voices that we hear. Worry about this. You need to get more stuff. You need to have more things. Wealth will make you happy. Those are those voices that, that cry out to us. So, giving is one of the ways, I believe it's a gift that God has given us to be able to do that, to break the shackle of materialism. How should we give? Well, the Bible says proportionately. Uh, in the Old Testament, and the teachings of Jesus, he talked about a tithe, giving 10%. You say, are you legalistic about that? No, but it gives us, I think it gives us a framework of, of kind of an idea of what we should be giving. He's not asking us to give it all of it, necessarily. He did the rich young ruler because it stole his heart. But he's also saying you need to give significantly. And I think that's what a tithe says to me. We need to give significantly of our income. Second is regularly. And thirdly is generos generously. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also ge reap generously. So, some benefits of giving, just briefly on this. It breaks the chokehold of materialism. It enables God's work in this community and this world to advance. And, and third, it puts us in a place where God can bless us. You see, when we give, it doesn't stop with us giving because the Bible says God gives back to us. God blesses us for that. Jesus said in Luke 
6.38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So he says, you be stingy, I'll be stingy to you. You be generous, I'll be generous to you. I mean, that's just what he's saying. Now, now let me say this. You say, well, if, you know, so, so pastor, you're saying if, if, if I give 100, I'll get 200. No, I'm saying this. If you give what God prompts you and generously to give, God will bless you for that. He might bless you materially, I don't know, but he might bless you with something better than money. There are things better than money. Let me just tell you that. Um, and, and so, you know, be aware of that. All right, enough about giving, contributing money. I think in some senses this was the easy one. Uh, the next one is to give your service to God. And I'm, I'm meddling now because I'm not only asking you to write a check, I'm also asking you to give up some of your time. And, and you know what? I think as you go along through life, you start, you get to the point where you almost, you value your time more than money. Um, you, you're like, I, I, my time is pretty precious to me. Well, the Bible says we're to use our time for God. By, and he shows us that because he's given us gifts. And he talks about spiritual gifts in the New Testament. There's four places. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And the picture that's used in, in 1 Corinthians 12 is that of the human body all working together. The body, the different, you know, the hand, the feet, all that, we all work together. And so that's why we don't all have the same gift. What if all of us had the gift of preaching? We'd all want to stand up here and talk on Sunday morning. There'd be nobody to listen. And... Uh, so we have different gifts, and they complement, and they work together for this. So let me talk about gifts and what the Bible teaches about gifts. It teaches that each believer has at least one spiritual gift. The gifts are always to benefit others. They're not to say, look at me. They're always to help other people, okay? Outward focused. Everyone's gifts are needed. So you say, oh, I don't have, you know, I, I can't sing in church, I can't teach a Sunday school class, I can't do this. No, but you have something else to contribute to the kingdom of God. You may have the gift of leadership, you may have the gift of giving, you may have the gift of showing mercy, where you can go and minister to people who are going through hard times and you show mercy to them. Maybe you have the gift of encouraging. All the gifts are to function together in unity. And, and I just believe this, when we serve where God has gifted us, it's a win on three different levels. We are blessed, others are blessed, and the work of God moves forward. When we use our gifts for God, it's always a win, win, win. From the message, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it, everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. That's great. That's it. So one of the elements of your spiritual journey is, as you, as you mature, is finding how God has made you and gifted you and using you. And I have a testimony this morning from Trisha Fullerton, if she'll come up. And I think Trisha's testimony is kind of interesting because, because she brings kind of a nuance to this where her, uh, her, uh, her abilities and her location has changed over time. Trisha, good to have you up here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. My name is Trisha Fullerton. My husband's name is Lance. We moved to Emporia about two and a half years ago, opened an auction and real estate office, so that was very different for us. Uh, we have three kids. Our oldest son is Michael. He lives in El Dorado. 
He's married and has two kids. I have two grandkids. Um, our second son is Logan. He's living in Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas, and he is actually a youth and music leader at a church there in, Ar in England, Arkansas. And then our youngest one is a girl. Her name is Chelsea. She's in Brazil right now. She just finished up her master's degree at Purdue, and she's doing some work with Purdue and a university and a company down there uh, for four months. Then she'll be back here in May, and she's already accepted a job at the Kansas Farm Management Association, and will be working out of Council Grove. Cool. So you have a fairly unique story, I think, that relates to what kind of you were, how you were serving God, I forget now, 10 or 15 years ago, and then something happened in your life, and you've had to kind of shift gears. Tell folks about that. Yeah, that's true. I am. Um, I have always done a lot of singing my entire life. I started when I was little singing with my sisters in church, and that was just always something that I did, gift that I believe that God had given me. And in 2001, um, it was discovered that I had a lump on my thyroid, which is here, around in here. If you don't know, my daughter thought I was having surgery on my leg when I first said <laughs> thyroid, but it's in here. And um, after the surgery, I couldn't speak for six weeks. And through some checking, they found out that one of my vocal cords was paralyzed. They weren't sure what had happened or why. And um, I was looking at the real possibility of not having my voice back at all and definitely not being able to sing and use that gift that I believed that God had given me. And so it really was kind of a, a difficult time in my life when I had to look at who I was and that I wasn't defined by one thing that God gave me, one mm. thing that he had put in me. And I had to start looking at, okay, if I can't serve God in the way I thought I was going to serve him, what exactly is it that he might want me to do? What does it mean if I can't sing again? What does it mean if I can't do any, any of these things? Who am I in Christ? Not just who am I in this person that I know. Yeah, yeah. So what, what did you do? So I started looking. Um, I clearly got my voice back after about six weeks. It's not what it used to be, but God is a wonderful and redeeming God. I have been able to sing again. It took a lot of time. When I first started singing, I never knew what was going to pop out. <laughs> it, was, it was really strange. I thought I was singing here, and I was singing here, and, and it was just really weird. Um, but I started volunteering in other areas. I started, the first thing that they asked me to do at the church I was attending in El Dorado was, could you help with VBS with games? I thought, well, that's a week. I can do that. A couple of meetings, go to games for a week. I can do that. And so I just started doing things like that. I ended up serving on an education committee where I got to do some things. And then through God's redeeming love, I got to work with music again with VBS, with Awanas. Started working with Awanas at that church. And so God, hmm. God really brought things back for me. But, but it was completely different from where I thought it would be. But yeah. he was still able to use I me in other that. areas. Cool. So what would you say to folks out there who are saying, I don't know what I can do or whatever? Can you give them a word of encouragement to try something? Yeah, and that is definitely, we're just, just try some things. Go out there and be willing. You know, if you're not sure, take something that's a week long. Help with VBS. Help with uh, baking cookies. We did that at Christmas time or making soup for someone if you yeah, can do that. Yeah, yeah. You can step in about anywhere. We need kids to listen. We need people to listen to kids say verses on Sunday nights at Awana's. So that's something that you can do. You really just need to step in there, and God will bless you wherever you choose to serve. I, I started, I was, had been a conversation partner with an international student, 
here at this church. And that was something totally out of my comfort zone <laughs> that was very different for me. But I just felt God telling me that I should try that. And it's something that I've, I have two wonderful South Korean friends now. How about that? And uh, get, get to see them and visit with Great. them. So God is faithful. I believe Jesus uh, modeled yeah. servanthood for us. Yes. And he called his disciples to serve. Yes. And so I believe that Whatever it is, just step in and start working, and God will lead you where he wants you. Yeah. He has you here for a purpose if you're yeah. attending this church. All and right. he'll put you where he wants you, and he will bless you and bless others through you and honor that service. All right. Thank you, Tricia. Let's give her a hand. So when you see that stuff in the bulletin about we need help here or there or whatever, you know, just you just need to try something. And, and Tricia was spot on. You know, if you try something, you think, oh, that's not exactly me. Let me try this little and tweak it until you find uh, exactly what it is that you're made to do. So giving financially, uh, serving with your gifts, and the third thing today, which is the last one, number six, is sharing the good news with others. That was our text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Did you notice that? He says he, has, he gave us the ministry of rec reconciliation, but the part that really grabs me, it says we are God's ambassadors. An ambassador goes and represents another country, another entity. We get to be ambassadors for God. And, and, and it, it says in the, that we stand in Christ's stead. We stand in Christ's place. Christ, you know, in, in Acts chapter 1, it tells us about he's ascended into heaven. In Acts 2, he says he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he filled us. And he left us here. And he gave us a mandate, which I'm going to be talking about a good bit the next month, of making disciples, going into all the world and making disciples. He left that for us to do. We stand representing Jesus Christ. If, you know, some of you probably represent a company or something, and you go and you say, here, I'm from whatever company or whatever, and I'm going to do this. We, if you're a believer in Christ, you represent Christ. You have the privilege of being his ambassador and to take his message that people can be reconciled with God. It's really important. I read a little book a while back called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. And he talks a lot about how God is sovereign and God is at work in this world and he's going to draw people to himself. But he also talked with equal animation about the fact that you and I are the, are the instruments that God is going to use to reach those people. He said this in his book, Christ's command means that we should be devoting all of our resources of ingenuity and enterprise to the task of making the gospel known in every possible way to every possible person. He goes on to say, and this is pretty, pretty direct, he who does not devote himself to evangelism in every way that he can is not, therefore, playing the part of a good and faithful servant of Jesus Christ. So, it's pretty direct, and I think it's the truth. If you read the New Testament, you cannot get away from the passion and the energy, the importance of us sharing the gospel with other people. So, I have a testimony for that today uh, with Warren Harshman, and actually we videoed it a couple weeks ago, so we're going to play that now.
Mm-hmm. <laughs>
All right. So let me, let me just encourage you, because I, I think maybe, I don't want you to hear that and think, well, I need to start going to the jail. Um, maybe you do, I don't know, but uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of it for us is, 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 is if we would just, I just look at this church, and I look at all of you, and I think, what if every one of us, what if every one of us used our circle of influence, our family, our friends, our workplace, our school, our neighborhood, we, we, would, we would blanket this area. In fact, there'd be a lot of overlap in this area if we would just do that. And, and I really think that's usually how God does it. He does it through those kinds of things and through a lot of natural interactions. If you pay attention, it may be the cashier that you strike up a conversation with every week when you buy gas or or the person who checks you in at the rec center, or the, or the, or the person um, who waits on you in a restaurant and you go to frequently, or the owner of the restaurant. You get, there's lots of natural interactions, people that may not ever be our best friends, but we get to chat about life some, get to know them, that God's going to give us opportunities. And, and, and I think as we, as we are living out our lives, I think we can be a winsome witness for Christ. And, you know, let... Letting God shine through us. I was thinking about that passage that we used to talk about life groups from Acts chapter 2. And it said in, at the end of chapter 2 in Acts that the people there were they, were, they, they were glad and they had sincere hearts and they were praising God. And it said there, they were enjoying the favor of all the people. We ought to be, people ought to like to be around us. We ought to be positive, hopeful because of what we have. And it says, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And then it says this, and it says, and the Lord added daily those who were being saved. So what this says to me was these people were living out their faith in their real world, and God used them right where they were, right where they were. Uh, they didn't have to go off to seminary. Uh, they didn't have to go to the Marion County Jail. Although if that's God, where God leads you, like, Mary, like Warren, go. Emporia jail. I don't know, but just being where you are. And by the way, let me just say this as a, a little promo about the next month. We're going to be talking some about making disciples and talking about sharing your faith. And so you won't have to go to Omaha like Warren did to learn how. He went to an evangelism explosion training conference up there is what he's talking about that really helped him. But we're going to give you some tools if you're here the next four weeks, you'll be getting a hold of some things where you can be sharing your faith. So, let me wrap this up. you got six things in your bookmarker there. Um, you, this may be all new for you. I'm not saying you have to jump in there and do all of them right now. But what, what's the next step for you? Will you just take that next step? Uh, will you just find that practice that, as I started at the beginning with that drawing, moving you forward to that better future for you, that preferable future for you? What's the next step for you? Will you just do that? Let's stand together for our closing prayer. As always, if, if you have questions about your spiritual journey, if I can help you with that, please, please, please contact me. Father, be at work in our lives. May your truth resonate within us. May we take all that we can use and, and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.